Hey guys, it's Ashes, and welcome back to another episode of Simply Put. Today is a very special episode because I am going to do the thing that exactly one of my listeners asked me to do um, months ago, and I'm just now getting around to, uh, and that is have an episode where I'm drunk and I just blather on, and since 2020 has been one hell of a year, and I am not sad enough to drink by myself. I'm here with my friend Alyssa, who uh, <laughs> has been drinking with me, and we're going to talk about the election and Trump and how it's changed the way that we see the people in our lives. And probably, if I'm being honest, None of those things, but we're going to try to talk about those things. So, Alyssa, do you want to to say anything? Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I am sad enough to drink alone, but I'll drink with you because I have to be drinking to agree to do this. Well, thank you. And um, so for those of you who don't know Alyssa, which is all of you, um, she... (laughs) She has been a really, really strong supporter of myself and my daughter since, goodness, 2014 when she almost got me fired. (laughs) When we were also drinking. (laughs) That totally, yeah, I was drunk and I told you to just say all the things to your supervisor who I hated because she was literally a Karen. (laughs) Literally. No, her name was Karen. And she was awful and still awful. The worst part was like, I said the things, but I was supposed to be saying them to my husband. And instead I texted her and she called me to be like, oh, hey, like, I don't know if you meant to do this, but um, do you need to talk to me? And I think I was just sitting there drunk, like. Just fucking hang up. Fuck that bitch. Just hang up. You were. Yeah. And, and I am not that kind of drunk. So I was just like, no, no, it's fine. I'll talk. I'll make it better. And so, like, I fed her ego, which was quite large. And I was like, you know, I just was told these things that you had said about me by somebody who wasn't there when that thing happened. And there's no reason that they could have found out if you hadn't told them. So, like, if this is a thing that you want to talk about, we can talk about it. But I am not sober, and I don't want to talk about it now. So then everybody who was on that trip got called into the, <laughs> into the board of directors' office to explain ourselves. Because homegirl Karen... Um, got mad that we were all drinking without her. Yeah. Even though Basically. my entire team was drinking without me, and I wasn't invited... That's why we invited you to our team, because fuck her team. Right. Our Um, team was better anyways. It really was. True story. Um, But then, yeah, so um, it ended up that I had just completed a 30-day training with the board of directors, and I was like, listen, though, um, you know how I got here and my relationship with my last boss and how it was really shitty and really shady, and I just feel like I came here and you promised me something different, and then... I go on this seven day long camping trip and my boss doesn't even give me the right list of things to bring. So I'm super unprepared. She tells me I'm going to have all this support and she leaves me all the time. And then she talks shit about me to somebody who she didn't think that uh, knew me. 
And so I get met by two members of the board of director when I step off the bus because I tried to quit three times and walk home from damn near the Upper Peninsula in Michigan because I was over it. And like Karen didn't know what to do and she just sat there and like the director was just like, well, you're right. I do. And I remember we talked about that a lot. And I can completely understand why you would think this is a serious situation and a very similar situation. So I completely understand why you reacted that way. And then we all got to leave, but Karen had to stay behind. <laughs> I don't even remember that. I may have been hungover. Um, that was an interesting time. You know what, though? I, I specifically remember like deciding to adopt you at that time because I was like, oh man, you're surrounded by all these white people and the majority of them suck and don't understand that they're white, like they're white peopling. And so, yeah, I was like, oh man, like you need someone on your fucking side because these people suck. Your entire team adopted me. They're like, and your kids adopted me. They're like, no, like you're ours now. Like you don't have to deal with that. Oh yeah. No, it was a thing. But I think like for being personally, I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're friends now just because I know, like, you're not going to have legitimate friends here because people suck. Oh, yeah, and I didn't. Because we're in the middle of Pobunk, nowhere, fucking northern Michigan shit, redneck, hillbilly hell. Well, tell me how you really feel, Alyssa. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm from downstate, too, so I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I come from a very small, very white town, and I have learned that um, there is white and then there is white. And um, apparently my tiny little hometown of redneck vacations and entitlement is actually spicy white compared to where um, where I then moved after college, um, where everything was awful all of the time. And I could never tell if people were at work high, drunk, or like just like methed up. Stop mething around. Stop mething around. No, you know what, though? Now I'm kind of, like, concerned because you called me spicy white earlier, and now that's kind of, like, is that bad? Okay, so <laughs> let me explain spicy white. Um, it's not great. <laughs> because it's, it's, when somebody, it depends. Like, it can definitely be used as a term of endearment. Like, oh, like, you're not, you're not, like, white. You're, you're white. And um, those are obviously you're not word. Your word, like the same word, inflection, in different intonation. But it's the difference between calling something mayonnaise and aioli. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, mayonnaise sucks. Aioli can be good. Correct. You put the right shit in it. It's decent. Yes, it's and you spicy. you just can't think too hard about it. Just being mayonnaise. No, because then you can't eat it. Exactly. Um, you think but, of it as just like random mayonnaise dip. It's just really fucking gross to think about. But if you think of like, oh, this is this is serrano pepper sauce, mm-hmm. it's it's easier to think about. And so it, it's that. But then if other white people start identifying themselves as spicy white, then it's just like, oh, you just want to distance yourself from that. But you are you're not actually spicy white either. You're like sour cream. <laughs> Which is not spicy. No. Oh. Although I did have a coworker who legitimate thought, legitimately thought that it was spicy, and I thought she was joking. 
And she was like, no. And I paid attention. And every time after that I ever saw her with sour cream, she was always pounding like glass after glass of water. I was like, this is a sour cream dip. It's like sour cream and like French onion or like sour cream and fucking cheese like mild cheddar there's like no seasoning in it at all why are you struggling oh it's it's spicy oh okay no (laughs) like just no but like that's the idea of spicy white but i think that's so okay base word there is still white so as much as you try to distance yourself from whiteness hey congratulations you're still fucking white who was raised in a in a system that is predominantly geared towards benefiting white people. Like, as much as you want to distance yourself from being white, like, hey, motherfucker, you're still fucking white. You don't get to just, like, divorce yourself from whiteness. Like, I don't care how woke you are and how much you want to be like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm down with the people or whatever. Like, no, you're still, at the end of the day, you're still white and you're still benefiting from white privilege. Like, the system is made for you. So, you can't be like, oh, them and me. Like, no, it's us. We. This is, this is the thing. So, yeah, like, I don't care how spicy you are. You're still white. Spicy white or bland-ass white. You're still white. But I think that's really interesting because it doesn't work the other way. Like, I'm mixed, like, straight down the line, 50-50, Jamaican, white. Like, I'm definitely a white mutt. Like, but I still have no choice to, on paperwork, identify Mm -hmm. as black. Whereas, if you're white, you kind of get to, oh, well, like, 15% of me is black and I'm just white passing. So, I'm still going to write down that I'm black on paperwork and nobody's going to question me. Like, they may look at me funny, but they're not going to question me. Whereas, I can't put white down Mm -hmm. even though I'm just as much white as I am black and it actually like gave me a super big complex when I was in school because I would get singled out like oh we're filling out standardized testing paperwork and we're really young everybody but Lynette you're gonna fill out white Lynette you're gonna fill out black and it gave me like this really really intense sense of like shame and embarrassment around part of who I was um and it's it's something that I still like haven't quite shaken because uh, my friends that I hang out with regularly are still primarily white or white passing. And so I'm just kind of like the token black person who's not really a token in their relationship. In most of my friendships, relationships, I guess. Um, I might be too drunk to follow what you just said, but yes. <laughs> Like, I feel like my head was just doing cartwheels. I was like, uh, yeah. I think it's because you nodded. I did. Yeah, don't do that. Oh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, confusing myself like, with the nodding. Oh. It's, it's still really, really, I'm really cognizant of the fact that I'm the black friend in the majority of my relationships. And it doesn't matter whether I identify as that or that's like a problem within the friendship it's still something that that I'm cognizant of, especially if we're going places or if we're talking about like, mm. oh, like my life's really hard because of this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like you're totally right. And I'm I'm right there with you, like meeting you where you're at. But when I sit and I talk about like these are the reasons why my life is difficult, like is difficult. I just kind of get like shoved to the side because that's not a relatable problem. 
for a lot of my friends. So they're like, yeah, like I can I can understand why that would be a problem, but like I don't know what that's like and I don't really know whether or not that's a big deal. So we're just not going to talk about it and we're going to go back to talking about things that I'm comfortable with. Um which I understand, but that makes for quite the power imbalance within friendships too is is I then have to listen to everything that the other person wants to talk about. But when I talk about the things that bother me, because they're more uncomfortable for somebody else, I don't then get to do that. Okay. I I, I don't... That doesn't happen with you, because no, wait, I'm very like, much like... Wait a second. But, well, no, but, like, the one thing I can think of is, like, when it comes to the black experience, like, you know... Like, and I'm not going to specifically talk about the line of work that I do because, well, no. Um, Because I'm not going to try to be identified in this. Um, But within the line of work that I do, there's a lot of empathy and a lot of, um, I think, kind of like being very creative and um, imaginative when it comes to like putting myself in other people's shoes. And I've been able to relate very well to people and different experiences and like understanding where people have come from. And I, I really think a big chunk of that has to do with the fact that I have ADHD and like my imagination runs fucking rampant. And so I can imagine things probably way better than a lot of other people can. Um, but at the same time, having engaged in a lot of discussions that are race based, that are led by black women it has been very ingrained in me to understand that, like, no matter how good my imagination is, I will never be able to fully grasp the black experience because I'm not black. And so part of that is, like, I think it's, like, the respect thing. Like, you can talk to me about that, but I'm not going to sit there and say that I understand where you're coming from because I know that that's just rude. I know that that's just disrespectful because as creative as I can be, I know that like from my experience and my past having been raised white in this society, I don't have the ability to fully grasp what it's like to be raised black in this society. That's true. But the one thing that you you mentioned is the respect and the being willing to have that conversation. You're not dismissing the fact that I feel that way, you're not um, quickly moving on to a different subject that makes you more comfortable. And I know you and I have uncomfortable conversations all the time. I like uncomfortable conversations. <laughs> this is what I do for a living. Right. Um, but we, we do. We have the uncomfortable conversations a lot. Um, I push your boundaries on a fairly regular basis in regards to that sort of comfort. Um, and you take it like a champ. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> I guess I'm really taking it like a champ because I don't feel like you do that that often, but okay. I I don't think in like the Maybe amount I'm just of time. Oblivious. No, you're not, but like the times that I do, I go there and I'm not backing down from it. Um and then there was that one time that I made you cry. That wasn't intentional though cuz I thought you were talking about me and you weren't. Right, I definitely wasn't talking about you, but it definitely- No, so it wasn't even anything you really did. It was really like how I thought that converse like it wasn't it was one of your blog posts and I read it and I, I I took it very personally because it it was like a couple paragraphs long but it was like 
very much so like the first two paragraphs were definitely about me and then like the next three paragraphs weren't but there wasn't like a clear transition where it was like hey this was about one friend and this was about another friend so I took the whole five paragraphs as about me and I was like oh my god my best friend fucking hates me no and yeah I cried I cried for fucking days I was like oh my god my my best friend hates me and yeah I was all sorts of butthurt I was so fucking sad. I know, I know. And I didn't say anything about it, and then we were drinking, and I cried that time. So I'm going to not cry this time, (laughs) but I might go grab another beer. Okay. That might be a thing. But, like, no, and it definitely was an interaction (laughs) that I had had with you that had made me think in general about something within myself. Um, But traditionally, when I write blog posts that I know are going to be sensitive to people, I send it to them ahead of time and then get their permission and I didn't think about it in that one. Yeah, um, no, that was weird. It was that was that was a bad experience. Especially like you know my husband. You guys are like very good friends too. And you know how protective he is about everyone. So like when I was sad, he was like, Oh my god, what's going on? And like and I'm like, This might just be all me. Like, don't get like don't try to jump in and protect me which i know you won't actually physically protect me you'll just like verbally like jump on my fucking bandwagon you're not really gonna do the things but still don't be mad at my friend because i'm feeling some sort of way right now it's such a weird thing because he's definitely protective of you in an entirely different way but he's also really protective of me and like (laughs) that is accurate yeah, that is that is I don't accurate. Know if your thing can pick me up right now, but I'm getting another beer. Okay. Well, do you want to say what you just said again, just in case? I said that is accurate. <laughs> yeah, like he's he's very protective of me. David and I used to be partners at work, and um, we were very frequently in some not very safe situations together, and so we ended up having to rely on each other a lot. I knew when I was working with him that my day was going to be okay no matter what happened. And I feel like that was probably mutual because he worked with me and agreed to it when he didn't necessarily agree to other people. Um, Which is funny because he's like, he's always so protective of other people. But when it comes to like me and him, I feel like I'm more protective of him. Like I'm ready to piece people the fuck up for fucking with him. Because I... Yeah, I know how he really is. And, like, yeah, he is, like, so fucking gentle. Yeah. And so caring. And, like, wears his heart on his sleeve. And I'm that type of person where, like, you startle me, I might accidentally punch you in the face. And it's just, yeah, it's just reaction. And I have the potential to be way more bitchy than he ever could. See, as far <laughs> as, like, the accidentally punching people in the face thing... That is one thing that has gotten more prominent for me since, um, like, since the election has started fueling. You're bringing it back. I was just thinking that. I was like, (laughs) we are totally off fucking topic here. I was kind of, like, thinking, we got to find a way. But it's true. It's it's true, though. And, like, it actually happened to my other friend, Alyssa, and I. Um, She had been, like, right behind me, and I didn't realize that she was there. And said something, like, she was much quieter than she normally was, and said something, and even though we were in, like, a hotel room where you needed a key to get into it, my first reaction was still, like, 
turning around and throwing a punch because somebody was closer to me than what I expected. And in normal situations, I would be like, oh, like, that's really dumb. But that was that wasn't before the pandemic. So there's still um, so there weren't a whole bunch of crowds, but it started around the time that the pandemic was started in other countries and we still hadn't taken it seriously yet. So there were still crowds of people and Trump 2020 was being thrown out and people's flags were getting bigger and like they were adding more and it was just fucking gross and it had me on edge. And so anybody that was in my space bubble like was always a problem. And, um, if I didn't expect them to be there, I'm more active, active. I'm more, <laughs> I am not. Um, <laughs> I am more likely now if somebody's in my space and I don't expect them to be there to throw a punch and then clean it up afterwards than I am to just wait and allow somebody in my space to make me uncomfortable. Um, because it's more dangerous for me or it feels like it's more dangerous for me to take the chance and wait and have the best intentions and be wrong. What are you doing? Getting another beer so I can mix them because I'm a beerologist. Oh, okay. I'm a mixologist. I don't know. It tells me to do the things, so I'm just going to do the things. (laughs) Um, You know, it's funny because you're saying that and like my my parentness is coming out and you're talking about that and the whole time I'm I'm totally picturing that scene in Moana where like they're in Lullaby and and Maui like sneaks up behind her and says the thing and she like totally throws her fist back and just decks him and she's like oh sorry like that's that's what I thought of but that's also because like we watch that movie every night and I can recite it word for word at this point like so yeah, it's a thing. Maui, Moana, my yeah. life. Okay, I'm mixing beer. Are are you are you good? I'm I'm good. You definitely didn't mix those evenly, like you have. I, in I the drank past. some of this one a oh. little bit, and so then I'm kind of this one's automatically gonna be a little bit more in here because uh, I definitely had a couple sips of that and not. Is that it's seven- good. It's like, just don't like keep going. So Trump, we're going to pour more beer. We're, we're going to pour beer seven and eight <laughs> for you. No, I think it's only five and six. I really, it has not been seven and eight because we'd be out of beer by now. But yeah, we've, there was, yeah, it's a thing. No, I think it would be seven and eight because I had the two berry ones and then I've been nursing this god awful vanilla one. Yeah, but that's like second. you're on three. So I'm on three. Just my three have each been two. Right, but I got my first one not out of your 12-pack. Yeah, no, but even then, like, nope, like, we're, 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 we're going, I'm just double you. But you've had two in the sense, like, in the time that it's taken me to have half of the one, so you're at four and not three. No, I'm at which six. Which is eight and... No, that's what I'm saying, like, you're at, you're at three, I'm at six. But that, okay. Trust. I, I got this. I can still math. But you had two over there, and this is your second one over here, and that's four, and there are two in each one, so that's eight. No, I brought the second oh. one over here. Oh. That was still... I nursed that fuck out of that second one. This is this is now the third one. I was going to just have one, but then I was like, fuck it, mix two, because I don't want to drink the dark one by itself. This is what it's like to be my best friend. If anybody ever wanted to know, like, this is the constant bullshit that I will put you through on the regular. <laughs> that's good. 
Um, I feel like Kate McKinnon on Saturday Night Live right now, which is like my wet dream. I love her. I feel like I'm famous. But it might just be the drinking. <laughs> it might be the drinking. Um, but I'm trying to be funny, too, because she's awesome. Or something. <laughs> but, um, so at, it's going to be so bad when we listen to it later. You're going to be like, we're not playing this. It's oh, no. We awesome. totally are. And I'm going to post it, and I'm not going to edit it. And we're it'll and just going to pretend it never happened, because if you're drunk, it doesn't happen. Maybe. I'm not sure that's how that works. No, I don't want people to think that's how that works because, like, no, like, uh, the the very, very feminist side of me does not want you to think that that's how that works. But ever. anyway, like, as far as, like, the Trump bullshit and everybody being on edge, it was really interesting because the night after the debate where I had a mini mental breakdown and cried into a bottle of wine... Um, I had to drop what biscuits and gravy over here. Um, was that the day that I just came over to drop off biscuits and gravy and I like left? Uh, no, because like the day that you brought biscuits and gravy, we hung out for a while. Like we were upstairs hanging out for a while. Oh, and then um, I cried. <laughs> um, you've been crying a lot lately. Like it's definitely a thing. Um, and I think it's definitely an election thing on top of like a family bullshit thing like yeah like sorry to put this on your thing but like yeah you've definitely been crying more than usual but which is normally like zero um yeah yeah it's understandable like it's kind of a shit show all the way around yeah like i am not okay and now that that's like (laughs) now that that's out there um, but anyway, on anybody who is okay right now probably is completely dis- like disconnected from reality. They have no concept of what's actually going on if they're okay. Yeah, like the constant trauma that this is to marginalized communities and the people who love people in marginalized communities is rough. But, like, on the way over here, I remember I sat in the car. It was that day because I, I realized halfway over that I, like, that, like, half of my thigh was warm because I had sat on your biscuits. <laughs> well, I ate them anyways. Um, but speaking like, of which, don't forget your container when you leave <laughs> later or tomorrow. Probably tomorrow. You'll probably stay for breakfast. It'll yeah. be good. David will make us breakfast. Fuck yeah, I missed his breakfast. We need to though. text him though and tell him to get bananas. We have only one left. We'll have him get okay. more bananas for banana pancakes. Um, I don't want banana pancakes. Or I... we have French toast. It's good. He's flexible. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> I meant with breakfast, pervert. I know he's flexible with breakfast because I've eaten way more of his breakfasts than... You know what? That's not... <laughs> this is sounding all sorts of bad. What do you mean you've been eating my husband's breakfast? <laughs> I, mm. Hold on, let me have another drink. Our work fed us if we cooked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we had to cook breakfast on weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, because Amy wouldn't cook breakfast. And if I had to be there on a weekend, I wanted actual food. Oh, my lord. But I remember sitting in the driveway, like, sending a voice memo to... Um, one of my old bosses about how, you know, maybe this was finally the end of things for Trump because I'm driving down and all of these roads that are normally lined with like Trump pent signs and and like political fucking bullshit 
for like Trump, um, not even for anything else, but like Trump himself, not Republican Party, not I'm voting for whatever. It's just like Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump's my God, like let me suck his dick. I'm sure it'll be the best saying jizz like in the world. Like that's the type Garbling of balls. Yeah, like that's the type of bullshit that I have to drive through in the 12 miles from my house to her house. Is it really 12 miles? Is it that, is. Is that far? Yeah. I didn't think it was that far. I think it's because you have to go out of the way because of the fucking. I've never run to your house. Like, we've hung out all this time. You always come here. I don't know where you live. I have like a general idea because you've said you live by the schools over in that area and I know where they are. But I don't know where the fuck you live. But you just always come here. So it's cool. Yeah, because I can't I, really complain. Like I come place. here like, to get away from being there. Understandable. Um, but then I like pull up into your driveway, and your neighbors have two new fucking Fuck Trump banners, looking like they're fucking Yo. mansion size. I they suck. I you know what? My neighbors aren't gonna listen to this. They're fucking douchebags. My neighbors all suck. Um, the people directly next door to me have two giant banners on either side of their dry or on either side of their garage, say Trump 2020 and the bullshit, which makes zero fucking sense because Trump is the bullshit. And then the people across the road literally have all these different like signs for like fucking that John James guy who I'm not a fan of and then Trump and all these different things and then they have like gun owners for Trump and I'm like that's great like yeah just advertise that you have guns in your home because the area that we live in like yeah sure nobody's gonna break into your house thinking you have guns dumbass well nobody's gonna break into their houses anyway because they all have a fucking huge ass security system and then a Facebook group where they talk about the people who, like, hey, have I, visitors. I, I remember walking through the neighborhood and I counted all the different houses that actually have cameras on them that I could see. And it only looked to be, like, 13, 14 of them. And I think there's, like, 70-something houses in here. But, yeah, no, I hate my neighborhood and I can't wait till I move. And, fuck, this place sucks. But it's funny because when you first started telling me about, like, your shitty neighbors and how they're always, like, on their security systems and their fucking ring lights talking about, like, who had a visitor in this stupid Facebook group, I'm like, is it going to be a problem that I'm black? Like, are your neighbors going to be like, who's that Who's that black bitch sitting in their, their driveway? Like, is it, am I going to be okay? And you couldn't immediately tell me no. Well, but I think it's, they're not going to care if you're in my driveway but I have seen the people who have the freaking doorbells um, complain about other people being in their driveway. Um, like, for example, there is a very nice family that lives around the corner from us. Who, and the family is black. And they have a young boy who's probably like 9 or 10. Sweet boy. He always rides around our whole neighborhood on his bike. He's always super friendly. Um, when I used to walk with my kids around the neighborhood, he'd always like kind of ride next to us for a few minutes. Like, say hi. Um, my daughter always got a kick out, like, waving to him, and he would always wave back. Like, just a really friendly, nice kid. And I remember seeing on their stupid Facebook page one day that, like, one of the people with the stupid, like, ring, nest, whatever, doorbells, um, had videoed this kid driving up and down their driveway, which you can tell, like, this kid's, like, just driving around this neighborhood on his bike. Like, that's just what he's doing. And he's trying to entertain himself and he's doing it in a very wholesome 
way that any kid would do. And so he was just driving up and down people's driveways. And so he drove up and down their driveway and they totally posted the video on the stupid Facebook group. And they were like, oh my gosh, look at this kid. Like, does anyone know? Does he live here? Like, he's totally scoping out our front door. And I was so freaking irritated because, like, you looked at the video. And I watched this video, like, three, four times. There's no way that you could possibly misconstrue that this kid was looking at your door. Like, he literally slowed down to make the turn around the driveway and keep going. Like, there was no pause at all to look at these people's door until like I totally just commented on it too and was like really like I don't see him doing any type of pause he's not looking at your door and I don't think you'd be saying the same thing if it was my white daughter like and then the post disappeared I don't know what happened it was just gone (laughs) so apparently they didn't like my comment but that's also exactly why I have fucking signs in my yard right now That's, like, the in this house we believe. Um, And it has, like, white supremacism as terrorism. And I have a couple other signs in the windows and everything. Just because I kind of feel like, you know, those are signs I would have anyways. But at this point, I'm, like, trying to, like, overcompensate for my idiot neighbors. To be like, hey, sorry about the racist next door. Um, We're not all like that, I promise. We don't all suck. How did you explain it to your daughter when she asked why you had the signs? Dude, it was so cute. Like, so I'd put the signs up while they were at school um, because they came in the mail. And of course, as soon as I got them, I was like, I'm putting these up. And so I put three of them up out in the front yard and I put two of them up in the window. Um, And so then we got home. And we were driving home and I said, hey, we're going to drive around the neighborhood real quick. And so we drove through and we kind of were seeing what other signs people had. And it was really kind of disturbing because a lot of people had very pro-Trump signs. But there were a few people who had um, other signs that, you know, were kind of like, hey, anti-hate, you know, different things. They weren't necessarily pro-Biden. Like there were some Biden signs, but there was also a lot of other signs that kind of made it like, hey... Um, we're just like anti, anti stupidity. Um, so we kind of just drove around, looked in the neighborhood point. Like I pointed out different things to her. Um, we kind of talked about like the blue lives flag and how that sucks. Um, and I explained that to her a little bit. And then once we got home, we stopped in the driveway and we read the signs together And then once I parked the car in the garage, she was like, can we get out and go read the signs? And I said, yeah. Um, And so we went around to the front of the house and I read each of the signs to her. Um, And it was very cute because like we'd read one and it was like she kind of knew that we were moving on to the next one. So she'd stand next to one while I read that one and kind of like follow it. And then she'd move to the next one and read that one and follow it and then move to the next one. Then she looked at the ones we had in in the windows And we kind of talked about the fact that, like, hey, we have people um, that we love in our lives that we care about, that we want to make sure that we're supporting them. But also just in general, we're supporting people because (sighs) white supremacy is stupid. Like, this whole thing is stupid. Racism is stupid. It is a totally made-up, 
fucking bullshit concept that has no basis in science, no basis in reality. Like, people have literally just come up with whatever they can to justify, you know, their ability to have a step up in society and their place in society when really, like, dude, we're all, like, one of my clients always says, we all put our pants on the same fucking way. And, like, that's, hey, we're all putting our pants the same way. No one is better than anyone else. And so this whole fake bullshit pseudoscience 1800s crap does not justify any of that. And so we kind of had this conversation, though. And one of the things I said to her is, like, you know, we have these signs up because we love Lynette and we love Rue. Um, And so we kind of had this conversation about that. And it was really kind of cute because she was like, yeah, you know, like she was totally on board with it. She was like, yeah, like Rue's my friend. And I love Lynette. And it was like, yeah, like, we we love them until we have these signs. Like, we'd have these signs anyways. Because that's just, I don't know, like, I don't know. I guess, like, even if David wasn't down, no one else was down, I'd still be like, well, we're going to have this. And either we're going to have this or we're going to be divorced. Like, that's your option. Um, but, yeah, so we have the signs. And it was just kind of cool to have this experience with her. And kind of talk to her about it. And I, I like, the whole time, though, it was also kind of awful. Because I just picture my neighbors, like, watching us through the windows being creepy. And, like, oh, my God, look at her indoctrinate her toddler. And I'm just like, you know, screw you guys. Enjoy your hate. Enjoy your awfulness. And, you know, it's not going to serve you in the end. It's just going to be more awfulness. And how old are your kids? Is this an interview of me now? Oh, fuck. Um, my daughter will be five in November. And my son just turned two earlier this month. Um, and they're both friends with Rue. They both love Rue. Um, they just chill with her all the time. They love Lynette. So it's kind of cool. Because Lynette's over here a lot. <laughs> But, like, I wasn't trying to interview. I was just, like, I know that I have at least three of my subscribers have children. And um, a couple of those are biracial children and their mother is white. And they're trying to navigate what that looks like and to be able to have their children feel like they're supportive as they're growing because they can't share that experience with them. And then another who is learning how best to have those conversations with their children. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's really hard. And it's like trying to, trying to figure out and how, like trying to figure out how to explain it in a way that is like maturity level appropriate and age appropriate, um, which is really dependent on the kid, you know, because like that's. My daughter at two was, like, in a way different place than my son is at two. Um, And, like, even my daughter and my stepdaughter were in completely different places, like, functioning-wise. So, it's you really have to kind of understand your kids and know where your kid is at and what they're able to comprehend. Like, my my four-year-old, like, and this is going to sound like I'm totally fucking full of myself, but she is very advanced for her age. Um, She comprehends a lot more then sometimes I even recognize because she'll spew off some shit that I'm like, whoa, where's that even coming from? Like, holy crap. Um, But I think just, like, figuring it out, and then I think, like, 
we have to get over our our generation it was very ingrained in us the idea of colorblindness and so when our kids actually say hey my friend looks different than me like my my friend has it, my friend is brown my friend has different skin my friend has different hair we get uncomfortable with that as parents because we've been raised in this in this generation of colorblindness to where we kind of go like no look, no don't acknowledge those differences because everyone's the same which is bullshit like colorblindness is just another form of racism um it's another way to just like kind of disenfranchise people and go okay now we're all the same so your own your own issues as a culture is your own fault because everybody's the same because none of us see color which is bullshit we all see color and so having that conversation with her where it's like hey um yep Lynette and Rue look different than us and we still love them and that they're still cool people and we still appreciate them and we appreciate their differences and so when your kids are like hey that person that person's darker than I am or they look different than I am and you're like yup instead of like kind of trying to be like hey shut up don't say that it's like no no you're right they are because that's a parent um that's true and we love them and appreciate them for that anyways and that's part of their culture that's part of where they where they come from everybody's different let's appreciate the differences instead of trying to ignore them and another thing on the idea of colorblindness and every time anybody said anything like that to me i wanted to cry because i was the only person who looked different so they just completely erased me as a person from the environment that I was in. And instead of the idea of like, oh yeah, like we we look different, like we may go through things differently, you wouldn't tell somebody, well, most people wouldn't tell somebody who grew up dirt poor, living in Section 8 housing in a neighborhood that doesn't have a HUD system that takes care of their area so their housing developments are shit and they have like whatever you're not going to tell somebody who grew up in that that their situation is the exact same and they're going to come out as well balanced as somebody who has enough money to have all the resources in the world like you can recognize that somebody a child that doesn't have their basic needs met is then different from a child who is comfortable in the fact that their basic needs are met the idea that that disparity is something that people like to ignore for the sake of arguments but wholly recognize outside of there and I mean that in the sense of like you just have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and everybody has the same opportunities you just have to work hard but with race it's different because with race you're like oh no like that doesn't that doesn't matter Mm -hmm. but then behind the scenes that matters and in public with, like, wealth disparity, like, oh, yeah, like, obviously this is a thing. And then behind the scenes, well, if they just pull themselves up by the bootstraps, they would be in the same situation with this person who never had to worry about whether or not they ate and had mommy and daddy home every night for dinner to help them with homework or had parents whose English was their first language and they were able to have the conversations about the homework or who had taken the classes. And I know, like, my mom growing up, she she was very, very good at math. She always had been. But she couldn't help me because the procedures for doing math had changed. Now, like, I am not familiar with Common Core at all. I won't be able to help my daughter do math as easily as if, like, we had both grown up with the same system. But that's still the privilege that we both speak the same language in a country that teaches in the language that we speak. 
So, like, this idea that we can recognize these differences everywhere else publicly, and we just say the the quiet part in private, but now we're like, oh no, like, let's completely erase the fact that that race is different, let's never talk about it, um, is something that we, that we say out loud. And all it really is is dismissive. It's somebody telling me that they don't want to hear about how my life may be different because it makes them uncomfortable. And that's not to say that like my life is better or worse than yours. Um, but we went through different things that made us who we are. And I think like while our degrees are different um, professionally, we can both hold our own in our professions. And that comes from how we grew up because both of us practice more in the sense of I have the education to back up something that I was already good at instead of I got the education to get good at the thing that I wasn't. Um, So our personalities are what's able to push us forward and arguably the majority of that would have been the same regardless. Agreed. Um, But we got there differently. Yeah, no, and I don't know, it's kind of interesting, too, because, like, so, like, referencing, like, race and colorblindness and all that, like, there's a lot of the obstacles specific to race, but it's also interesting because, like, the whole idea of, like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like, in the industry that I work in, like, we look at, like, generational, um, for for the for this conversation I'm going to call it generational disease mm-hmm. and how generation after generation after generation suffers through the same thing and I know like I've had this conversation before with people where I'm like okay if your great grandparents your grandparents and your parents all struggled with this thing and are not in a position to help you how can you be the suddenly be the generation that decides like oh I'm going to do things differently And I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and do that because I look at this and I go, you know what? I was a very motivated, very determined person once I hit high school before or once I hit college. High school, totally different story. I was a slacker. I was awful. But once I got to college and I had to pay for that shit, like, yes, I was the most dedicated student you've ever seen. And I busted my ass and it was very important to me. But I still had support from my parents And my dad had a college degree and my mother had been to college. And I think she eventually had like an associate's degree. So like they were in a position to help and guide me with that. Like to this day, shout out to my mom. She's always filled out my FAFSA. To this day, she still does my fucking taxes. I am screwed when that lady is gone. She is just a fucking badass. Um, But... If I didn't have those adults in my life demonstrating that and kind of pushing the importance of education, the importance of doing these things, you know, as much as you could look at my life and go, oh, hey, you started here and you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps because you were like the first person in your family to have a master's degree. I couldn't have done that without the people in my family who didn't have that, who still had their heads on straight. You know, so it's like, 
when we look at generational poverty or generational addiction or generational disease, like generational whatever, you can't expect someone who's whose previous generations of their family didn't have the skills or didn't have the knowledge sets or whatever to guide them, you can't expect them to suddenly figure that all out on their own. Like, that is damn near impossible. Most kids today are fully dependent on their parents or dependent in some manner. Like, they're they're expecting their families to help them to some degree almost until the age of 30. So... Get this pull yourself up by your bootstraps out of your fucking head because ain't nobody doing it, especially not now in this economy with capitalism, with what it is. Like, it's just not a thing. So it's just completely ridiculous to then go, hey, here's a group of people. Here is a black youth who has come from an environment where previous generations were redlined into this specific environment where they do not have the opportunity, they do not have um, the the resources, the different things, and then say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like, get real. We're all operating with different boots then. This just doesn't make sense. You know, and I think a big thing for me was like um, reading the book, The Color of Law. Um, the Color of Law, I remember reading a certain part of that um, I I think the guy's last name is Rothschild. In case anyone's interested, it's a fit. It's a fantastic book. Um, but reading that book, there's a, there's a specific part where they talk about um, veterans from World War II having the VA benefits and having the the different things that came with fighting World War II. Then having the resources to build their own houses, create their own wealth. And that's where a lot of um, white hereditary wealth came from. Like I know for my family, my grandfather built our house after World War II. That is the house that was then passed down to his children. Excuse me, burping, my bad. Um, That was the house that was passed down to his children my aunts or my uncles and my mom kind of figured that out. And that's the house that my mom lives in. My house, my mom lives in the house that my grandfather built following World War II because he had those VA benefits that black Americans did not get, even though they also fought in World War II. So it's like they did the same things that he did, but they did not get the benefits that he did. Um, so you kind of look at that. It's like, how, how can you argue that you're coming from the same equal playing field when my family had those benefits that someone else's family didn't. It doesn't make sense. Right. Um, and also, as far as pull yourself up from the bootstraps goes, I think it's important to understand that not everybody in those situations had boots. Not even that not everybody had the same boots um, because they didn't. Um, not everybody could even afford the boots in the first place, which is why the idea that you can be an entertainer is so prominent in the black community, especially amongst like black men. They want to be rappers. They want to play some form of ball, whether it be basketball or football or whatever, because they've been told and it's been shown that their easiest way out is to be good at something that entertains white people. And I've said this in 
um, Simply More several times, and I don't think that I put anything on Simply Ashes, but I know that I have talked about it a lot in the past, is that this idea that your entertainment and, and black people are good at track and they can run and they can, they're strong and they have good grips for basketball and football. I would just like to point out those are also traits that are bred into people in slavery because those are mm-hmm. important things. It's important that your slaves or your workers or whatever you want to call them can move quickly, can grip well, can be minstrels, can give you some sort of purpose and entertainment. And then you sit down knowing that and you watch the um, the people on Facebook freak the fuck out because all of a sudden black people have opinions and God forbid they have opinions. Shut up and entertain me shut up and play ball shut up and sing shut up and dance shut up and do whatever it is that makes you important to me not a human because I still don't see you as a human with rights because god forbid you have opinions that you would share um god forbid we think that we have any sort of opinions that a white person would want um and on that sense like as much as like you don't give a fuck who a celebrity is voting for, your neighbors also don't give a fuck that you're voting for Trump. Like your entire personality in yard signs is the exact same thing as you being pissed off that the celebrity that you don't know is using their platform to promote something that is important to them. You are using your yard to promote things that are important to you or apparently your fucking truck and you're back when it's sunny and you're trying to get a tan and you're putting the American flag or like spelling out Trump's last name because that's not fucking sheep and snowflake territory. But, you know, like, that's fine. Like, there there are things that white (laughs) people do too. Um, And I would hazard to guess do more often because like living in the place that I live now, there's a lot more of diversity, but there's also like a very apparent line between um, like people with wealth and people who don't have any. And that's usually drawn on a line of color while there are obviously people on either side of whatever color. People in poor neighborhoods don't have yard signs for who they're voting for. And if they do, they're voting for Trump. But it doesn't mean that those other people aren't voting at all. And God forbid you get me into the sense of, like, how, like, voter suppression within, like, the minority community is a problem because they're frequently in part-time jobs and they're scheduled for the days of the election. And even if they're requested off, they're not going to find out until a couple days beforehand that they need an absentee ballot. And let me tell you, I requested an absentee ballot two months ago and it has yet to show up at my house. Um, And I live in, like, the wealthier white people part of town. So, like, it happens. And I'm not saying that that's what's happening here, but, like, it fucking happens. And if you look at, like, the Republicans now, well, if if we didn't set up these fake drop-off points, then um, we would lose. And I'm not going to remove the fake drop-off points because, like, fuck you, I'm just not doing it. And we just like to glaze over it because... 
Shout out California. Yeah. California is the latest dumpster fire, which for some reason surprises me. You know, my brother lives in California and he, we've actually had this conversation about how much Michigan is like dumpster firing so much harder than them right now. Like he's like, what the hell is going on with your state? And I'm like, yeah, it's a thing. Um, Sorry, America. I do do know that I do have quite a few listeners who well, the majority of my listeners don't live in Michigan. So in the past couple weeks, like, somebody tried to kidnap and assassinate our governor. And then, like, that was after Trump tweeted to liberate Michigan. So then, like, five white men tried to do that, who I just found out today will actually be facing trial, which I didn't expect to happen at all. So there's that. Um, and uh, the Proud Boys and the Three Percenters are are out and about and just real open about it which is mm-hmm. is nice i guess because it's nice to know who to avoid mm-hmm. but it also fucking sucks because you know that they're comfortable enough to do that well and they're supported by one of like the officials from grand rapids he is like a county commissioner or someone over there um he's actually met with them and it's like this whole thing that i want to say too there's um after this whole thing came out with um, Governor Whitmer, shout out for her. Um, she's the one they tried to kidnap. They were thought thinking about kidnapping. They were thinking about killing her ass. Big um, wretch, though. Yeah, dude, I didn't vote for her. I wasn't thrilled with her. I actually wanted um, this other guy. But I'm really proud of the fact of how she's handling this and the fact that she hasn't backed down to people and their bullshit. Um, so, yeah, kudos to her. Um... But it's interesting because, like, right after that happened, there was actually another rally down in freaking Lansing that was Republicans and some of the high-up Republicans. I'm not going to name names because I don't want to hear anything about this later. Um, But some of the very high-up Republicans in our state who may have been trying to cancel out her, her governor orders... That might clarify who I'm talking about. Um, They were actually at these rallies right after these guys were arrested that were like anti-mask, anti-Whitmer rallies. Um, And it came out that some very high up Republicans in our state were actually meeting with these very guys potentially in their office without the media present when all of them kind of met and got together. So it kind of seems real suspicious. Like, how much did you actually know that was happening? And it's also very concerning because there were articles that came right out and said like, hey, we had this whole kidnapping plot, but back in September, a few of our members just literally wanted to go and kill her because they thought this kidnapping plot was taking too long. Like, these people are scary. And it's it's really disturbing that the fact that if they were any other skin tone, they would have, had, they would have been labeled as terrorists. But because they're white, they're going to be labeled as militia. I saw an article today of, or maybe it was yesterday. It's after midnight, so it was yesterday. I saw an article yesterday uh, that one of the Detroit, I think, um, online newspapers has 
made the decision that they're going to stop talking about anything to do with Proud Boys or neo-Nazism or the Three Percenters or anything like that Mm -hmm. as militia, and instead they're going to refer to them as domestic terrorists Mm -hmm. um, because they feel like that's what that is and they don't want to be part of the narrative that gives them this level of power, understanding, or sympathy from people who are, like, very... I don't want to say fucking nuts because that's ableist, but I. <laughs> but what other term do you use? Yeah, like, 